Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Prison. Get a friend. Get informed. And get involved. We are not channel radio. That's it. Good, uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. It is the 22nd day of... Oh, i got some leveling problems here. The 22nd day of uh, September 2015, and we're going to be live here for the next hour. Joining me here in a moment will be Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com. And what we are going to discuss tonight should be a, a very... A very nice change. First of all, um, let me explain where the We Are Not Cattle show went as we were not here, as some of you may notice. And for those of you that did uh, go back and listen to the archives, share those with people that you know, people you love, people you like. We do appreciate it. So about um, about a month ago, my my daughter ended up getting sick on show day. So I um, I took the liberty of being a good dad and tried to help out around and, and ended up canceling the show last minute. <clears throat> and then shortly after that, I was sick um, for the next show. And so I had, couldn't run a show then. And on Wednesday night, the night before the show that would have been three weeks or a week and a half ago, my hard drive decided to die. So I really had no functioning computer in order to to run the show, have any of my audio clips, nothing. It was all gone. I was able to salvage the hard drive to an extent, was able to put some of the pieces back together, ordered a new hard drive, and lo and behold, we're here. We have finally made it. We have finally returned, and just in time for the CERN experiment tomorrow, which... If they create a black hole, it will be the last of the We Are Not Cattle podcast. So we do appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Uh, joining me, as I said before, will be Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com, regular guest to the show. And we're going to discuss a couple of things tonight. We're going to discuss uh, the the migrant crisis in the Middle East, well, the verbiage that people are using, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. We're also going to discuss... Uh, the the escalation uh, between the Americans and the and the and the Russians as it pertains to Syria, uh, a topic we've stayed on for for um, almost years now. It seems like, gosh, I guess it has been years. Um, and then we're going to touch on um, always our favorite the the cyber. You know, everything's cyber. So, oh, I know what's going on here with my, we got some auto leveling going on here with Skype. So if you guys will give me a moment, I'm so sorry. just want to fix this because I can see myself, can see it automatically adjusting my mic and there we go. That should be much better. So anyway, we were having some, um, so I'm trying to get all this stuff geared up now. 
got this show back on the on the airwaves. And um, like I said, we're going to be discussing Syria, uh, the migrant crisis, uh, which go hand in hand. And um, gosh, it really looks like my audio is real low this evening. I wonder what's going on here. So if anybody can uh, hit me up on Twitter and let me know if you guys are are catching this or if I sound funky, I would appreciate it. I'm trying to work with levels on the fly here. So anyway, um, Josh and I have spent the last, I would say, three or four days on some interesting information. And maybe it pertains to CERN, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it pertains to what you experience in your day-to-day memory recall. Maybe it doesn't. But it's the idea of the Mandela effect, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. That'll be the second half of the show. But um, joining me here in a couple moments, as I can get him pulled up here, will be uh, Josh Wiley. And I just sent him the info, so we should be good to go. Yeah, and just send him a little message. So once he appears in the chat room, we'll go ahead and get him live and up on the air. And so now we're... Um, hold on a second. It says he needs Skype credits. Ah, he said he needs Skype credits to call this number. That's odd. Let's see... Um, Let's see if I can pull him up via invite guest co-host. Let's see. Emails would come. All right, all right, let's see if I can get him. So I guess we'll have to get Josh on the phone. Stand by. Sorry, guys. Live, live broadcast. We'll probably edit all this stuff out, and if. If you guys are listening live, thank you very much for listening. If you end up sharing the show later, uh, as I've as I've requested before, please wait for a couple of days so I can get the the better quality audio uploaded, and um, so you guys will have a better listening experience. We want to put out a good product here, remembering the fact that we are the champions of the reality frame that we live in, meaning that we are going to try our best to get to the bottom of everything that is going on here try to use grammar, logic, and rhetoric, make sense of some of the madness, and then point out when the mainstream media or any media for that instance uh, is lying to you. And we all have to look at the way that we receive information now very differently than we did um, even 10, 15 years ago, because now even though you have the idea of alternative ways of thinking and alternative views, those kind of get also bogged down with the fact that you can have provocateurs get in there and um, spread disinfo. So we're dealing with a lot of that as well. Uh, We're dealing with a lot of that even from our own media because the media, as we've been, um, we've talked about many times, is beholden to the uh, the corporations, the the people that, that buy their airtime, the people that buy their commercials. That's where they get most of their funding. It's why campaign finance reform will never happen because when you talk about campaign finance reform, what you're asking for is you're asking for the the people that benefit the most, the media, to do away with one of their largest revenue streams. And it's just not going to happen. The media is not going to get rid of it. The media is not going to, to cut off their cash cow. And so the idea of campaign finance reform is just um, – 
it's unfortunate that it is a um, it is a myth that will never be realized. We have too many other challenges dealing in the world, uh, rather than figuring out which um, you know which puppet we're going to choose this year. Whether it's going to be Bernie Sanders or whether it's going to be uh, Hillary Clinton, which I, I, I'm just really starting to think that she doesn't have a chance. Now there's these um, allegations coming out that Hillary Clinton's sick. She's got some kind of, she's um, well under the weather. And it could be just an excuse or a ploy to get her out of the race. Because even if we all know, or the people that listen to this podcast know, that um, the presidential reality show is in fact that. It is just a, a reality show. It has no bearing on on policy. It has no bearing on what happens in our day-to-day lives. Because the policy is set by the policymakers. It's not set by the politicians. For the most part, it's set by the lobbyists, it's set by the people that write the bills, the people that drag the bills in, whether they're um, written by foreign corporations, whether they're written by individuals on um, some kind of some kind of subcommittee. Um, that was an that was a very interesting article I saw down in Florida that was sent to me by um, my um, my uncle in law. It was showing how even in the privatized educational sector that they're starting to do the idea of um, of reward for for high test scores. So you can't escape it. It doesn't really matter how it's sliced. We're always going to end up with the same piece of the pie, and that's um and that's where we're trying to give you some alternative ideas, some alternative views, but also let you know what's coming down the pike. Because Josh and I have researched this, gosh, I've been researching it for seven years, the idea of um, neo-technocratic fascism, the idea that we're going to be um, assimilated into this new fascistic, very controlled, um, managed society, which always sounds great on paper, but always turns out horrifically for the populace. Uh, we're We're going to tell you what's coming. I warned of the... Of the uh, tracker boxes and cars three and a half years ago when I first started this uh, voyage, I heard it on Alex Jones that he was talking about this and and I ended up researching it and looking into it and sure enough he was right you know that's the that's the crazy thing is that we have to check out the information that we get and when we find out that we have really good information and it's really damning to um, to what free humanity should expect that's when uh, we need to turn our, um, you know, we need to turn on our voice and start letting what what we believe to be invasive technology. We need to start letting people know about it. Strike up conversations like I do. Strike up conversations in the grocery store. It's amazing how many people, and if you if you just talk to them, how much people really do know, and how now people are scrambling to find answers. For all this craziness that's been going on around them, they have no idea. They don't know why the economy keeps doing what it's doing. It looks like Josh just popped on. They have no idea what the Fed not raising interest rates does. They have no idea what any of this stuff does. But if you listen to this show, you can at least have some working knowledge of what this, what these things do, and what these policies mean, and and how it benefits people in an overarching agenda. And explain that to people in a pretty succinct manner and let them understand that, hey, what you're being told is not what's going on. And that's all they need. And and if they can't take it from there, if they can't take the football from the, excuse the sports analogy, if they can't take the football from the, from the one-yard line and punch it in from there, then 
you got no hope, guys. But all we have to do is start communicating with each other. This is what we've talked about many times on the show, but I think it's, you know, after this little reset of being away for a month, I think it's something that we do need to dive into again is engaging our fellow human beings, not looking at everybody like they're trash, not looking at them like they're like they're individuals and on little teams and we have to compete with everybody and everybody needs their rights protected and and screw everybody else because when we start looking at the longer term of what we're seeing here in society and how it's unfolding we're looking at a very a very controlled very managed very authoritarian society where people don't have free speech anymore that's being curtailed all over Europe And as we've said on this show many times before, whatever happens in Europe, that's typically coming here. They beta test it over there. They see what the population does. Some of the things like vaccines and stuff, they do it over here because they know that the American people think that there's a pill for everything. And and that um, as long as uh, some guy in a white coat tells me it's going to be okay, then then everything's going to be peaches. So joining me now is Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com. And we're going to get into a couple of these audio clips. So, um, Josh, uh, thanks so much for coming on board this evening. As if you can, uh, if you can give uh, the people a little background on what's going on with the, your homestead up there, I got to go um, turn off some switches over here. I've got um, I've got my air conditioner running, and I think it's kind of screwing with my audio. So, are you there, Mister oh. Josh? I am. Well, my goodness, uh, glad that you noticed that. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm Josh of statelesshomesteading.com. I blog under the pseudonym of Rusticus, uh, where I I had set out with the original intent of simultaneously documenting this process of creating an off-grid homestead uh, while kind of, uh, you know, synchronizing that to a certain extent with my geopolitical musings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thus far, it's been largely about the geopolitical musings, uh, simply because a lot of those articles have, have become a lot more passed around than, than I initially thought that they would at this point. So that's taken up a lot of my time, as has just um, you know <laughs> getting off the grid in general. It's a bit of a daunting task. Um, but hopefully within the next few weeks, uh, people will be able to check out my site and see its uh, more original vision start to be fulfilled a, a tad bit more because, as I note, I have been a bit lax in documenting uh, the process of, of what's going on in the homestead. But again, it's always great to be on, Jake. Well, thanks for buying me some time, man. I do appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, to to listen to us here. It's been, um, like I said, it's been a little bit over a month, and, and the conversations that Josh and I have had in that time period have been um have been very interesting and very entertaining so you know before we get into the mandela effect which i do want to spend uh, probably the good latter half of the show on josh let's touch on some uh, some things that happened while we were away you know while we were um on my little hiatus of getting a hard drive and installing it and finding windows which you know i know you're going to wag your finger at me but um you know getting all I'm these I'm shaking my head as we speak it's such a it's such a joke i mean it took me 2 days to get a machine up and running because you had to download the updates you had to uh load your antivirus and the antivirus has got to update and then you got to do uh, more updates because you got to wait for the first service pack to go through just a whole bunch of absolute crap that i had to deal with but we're here, we're live, we're rocking and rolling, and um, let's hop right to it, Mr. Josh. I do want to cover something that's 
Uh, I'm going to start recent, and then we're going to kind of work backwards. So this came out today, or at least I saw it appear today. And um, since I have left Facebook, everybody, I will um, I will tell you that, wow, does it do wonders for your sanity when you are not on social media. I don't um, – yeah, it's very, it's very odd. It is very odd. I will just say I'm a much, much more cognizant, cognizant person now, and I feel – much more lucid. Um, so, anyway, this is uh, this is what came out today, and this is from Infowars.com. So let's all, you know, let's all take it with a grain of salt. But this is the kind of stuff that we were talking about coming down the pike, even when we talked about cyber. Josh, this is tying everything in uh, with little bows and uh, little ribbons, so that you guys can share these podcasts with uh, with your friends and and have conversations between between groups and and. Find out if this is some and some place you guys really want to go as a society. So it says FBI merges criminal and civil finger fingerprint database. Josh, you remember those times where you went to the, or at least we did. I don't know if you guys did this. Did you ever go when you were a kid uh, to the to the hospital or to the um, to the police station and do like a little tour and they showed you what it was like to get fingerprinted and and, and locked you up? Did you ever go through that? Yeah, we did that uh, right before we went to the, uh, the the fake house that the fire department has set up in a lot of towns where they teach you how to escape from a burning building. Yep. Do you do that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember it vividly. J- just as I remember the Berenstein Bears, Jake. But <laughs> <laughs> The stains. All right, here we go. So it says, for years, the FBI has maintained it had no interest in scanning fingerprints co- collected by employees, teachers, lawyers, state and federal workers, even bike messengers now routinely submit fingerprints for employment, but that has all now changed. For the first time, fingerprints and biological information will be sent to the FBI for a background check and will be stored and searched right along with fingerprints taken from criminal purposes, reports the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, an organization detected or dedicated to protecting rights online. This change, which the FBI revealed quietly in February 2015 Privacy Impact Assessment. I love how they always have little acronyms that are so cute. Privacy Impact Assessment. So I assume they're assessing how much of their privacy they want to invade of ours. Meaning that you will have your fingerprints taken for licensing or background checks. You will most likely end up in the FBI's NGI database. As if we needed to be told any of this stuff. Like this, we we knew this stuff was coming years ago. Tried to tell people that that um, you do not have any rights. You don't have any privacy anymore. Uh, the government is not going to tell you what they're doing, but they're they're creating giant databases and they're creating giant profiles, which was all uncovered by NSA whistleblowers. What ten years ago, Josh? But you know what? Screw it. We don't need to listen to those people. They're loons. You know. Uh, this search by thousands of times under law enforcement agencies across the country. Even if your fingerprints don't match any criminal records when they first are submitted to the system. So they just keep it just, just in case you might be a criminal. Welcome to America. You know, um, land of the free home of the guilty. The EFF believes that the change is part of an ongoing movement towards cataloging information on everyone in America. You don't say and the movement won't end up with, or excuse me, and the movement that won't end up with fingerprints. Now that the FBI has added the facial recognition component to its database, oh, Josh, this is so. The employers of state and local governments 
will be urged to submit photographs along with fingerprints. Well, I'm going to just stop right there. Josh, doesn't this sound like it's just, I mean, we're going to live on the, we're, we're going to live in the safest society in the world. Nobody's ever going to commit a crime. <laughs> Well, it sounds like 10 years ago is what it sounds like, Jake. I mean, I'm sure that uh, long-time listeners, will, this will come as no surprise to, um, but perhaps for newer listeners out there, uh, people should note that state, pol- uh, state police databases have included all of these civil services, uh, civil sector jobs, as well as um, pawn shop databases, uh, which are now rapidly upgrading, have been over the past few years, at least in my state of Michigan, since... I think I remember seeing the first ones pop up around 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. uh, of a digitized thumb scanner as opposed to an ink print, um, which is sent to the state capitol uh, for criminal background checks when, when you know, selling items at pawn shops. And before, even with the, uh, the old ink system, uh, that was done uh, as a matter of protocol. These things were sent off to Lansing and, and put in a database. Uh, so to think that the FBI does not have, or over the past 10 years has not had, you know, a significant access to state police database records, which do include all the things that they're now mainlining directly to themselves, uh, would be a little bit naive in that respect. Uh, it's also funny that this news comes to us through the uh, EFF, um, <laughs> uh, given... Given their history of, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, exploring some of these topics, but at the same time uh, promoting either faulty technologies or leading your attention away from uh, from various aspects. You noted earlier NSA whistleblowers. Of course, EFF uh, is, is a big proponent of Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, two characters that uh, at least personally I have a lot of questions about. Uh, the EFF has also been uh, heavily uh, involved in the promotion of uh, Tor, as well as um, uh, the uh, uh, Tails operating system that is uh, essentially a live disk style operating system designed to leave no trace of, of its running. Um, but, but of course, you know, the Defense Department involvement with Tor as well as academia. Uh, and now, Jake, we're finding recently uh, that uh, there are some fairly sizable dark markets that because of exploits in Tor, that uh, essentially deem these anonymizing features and, and some of the IP obfuscation that they're doing there almost moot. Uh, they've pulled uh, the, these sites offline, at least for the past few months. Um, so this is just a little bit of background on the EFS. Um, but of course, you know, in terms of the larger scale of these operations uh, and the steady Fabian uh, decline of liberty based based around these snitch society technologies, certainly the FBI admitting this uh, whole hog is, is not a positive development, even if it is technology that, that quite frankly, they, they've had for quite some time. Well, and, and it's kind of par for the course, right? I mean, anytime that they tell you about what's going on, they've already been doing it. It's kind of the... I don't know if that's the way that, that they just operate and they have operated for a while is they'll deny, deny, deny that all this stuff is going on, just like NSA spying or all that stuff. It was all deny, deny, deny. And then it's like when they're when they're ready for the public to find out, they just say, okay, yeah, we're doing it. But, you know, we're going to catch some terrorists. And so all is supposed to be forgiven. So moving on and sticking with the idea of man well you know what we're turning into like the cyber show have you noticed that that we cover a lot of just snooping technology and i i guess because it really irks me <laughs> i guess yeah because it really pisses me off that that i thought i i i just want to live in a free society where where i'm not innocent or i'm innocent until proven guilty and not 
not guilty until proven innocent, which what which is what all this technology is. It's it's assuming guilt, and it's also uh, for all my lawyer friends out there. It's also assuming jurisdiction, which they don't have in any of these cases. But you know what? Yeah. Well, I Screw mean, if, if you're concerned concerned at all about human autonomy, then you have to be concerned about these technologies. Uh, you know, for people who are interested in exploring the histor- history of that topic further, I'd recommend a documentary called The Net. Um, it's uh, it's a European documentary. I I, I want to say Dutch, Dutch TV aired it, but uh, it explores you know the history of the internet and its use uh, as kind of a panopticon esque t- technology. Uh, and this was done in the early 2000s. Uh, very interesting watch. Um, but just barring our, our personal interest in, you know, <laughs> being free people, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise necessarily that we're both, you know, really interested in, in this, these developments specifically, not just because we're both kind of nerdy about these kind of things, but you, in, in a certain sense, work in that field. Uh, and as I blog, categorize and blog over at, on over at statehosthomesteading.com, uh, a lot of my niches seem to fall under the uh, under the umbrella of Agenda 21, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, you can't talk about Agenda 21 without uh, discussing these snitch society technologies that, that are really going to underpin uh, this new system of economics, of, of order, of politics, uh, of life in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, even though there are more people talking about it on a regular basis, uh, you always need more. No, I would agree with that 100% because if we can if we can reach a tipping point where we can get the masses to not care about um, you know um shout my abortion and 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 crazy insane stuff like that and get them to pay attention to hey we 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 might have real tyrants on our hands and if we don't have real tyrants on our hands if one gets in this is this is over for humanity. It's it really is. I, I completely agree, Jake, And but it's like uh, I told you the other night, and this is a little bit tangentially related, not directly to the topic necessarily of snitch society technologies, um, but I'm back downstate for a couple days, um, and my dad was sitting around watching uh, Monday Night Football, the Colts versus somebody or other, I don't know, um, but during the singing of the uh, national anthem, I noticed that the people on the field uh, who were rolling out this flag and waving it, this giant, gaudy-ass American flag. Um, these people all had uh, on the same jersey. Uh, and at first I thought it said Freeman. And I was like, yeah, Freeman, are they honoring some player? And as I got closer to the television screen, uh, it clearly said Freemason, uh, with that nice little compass and the big old G in between the, uh, the, the horseshoe there on the Colts logo. Uh, and as you, as the camera panned around, it was abundantly clear that these were not actual Freemasons, um, because I'd say about half of them were women. Uh, and Freemasonry, of course, is a is a male fraternal organization, so no no ga- no ladies around, you know. It's like your old treehouse. Um, so, and as I pointed out to my dad, it was just something that he wouldn't necessarily have noticed. Um, but because it was pointed out, uh, he did. So it's about snapping people out of the malaise of things like football uh, to even get people to, to comprehend the topic that your psyche, whether it's from your cell phone or your Facebook connection or even your viewing of Monday Night Football, your psyche is being bombarded on an almost constant, with an almost constant barrage of, uh, of propaganda designed specifically to get you to limit your human autonomy. Uh, I constantly, I know as you do, Jake, 
struggle with the best way necessarily to do that when you have distractions as as, uh, as enthralling as football. You know, something that will 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 allow you to to live uh, out your dream as uh, as a child forever, as as sports players do. They you know they are the Peter Pans of our of our age. They they don't they never have to grow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we live in a society where these same phones that are snitching on us and and you know scanning fingerprints, presumably that will soon be added to FBI oh, databases. Oh come on, that's a conspiracy theory. Uh, I wonder why they're putting the fingerprint scanners on all these phones, but maybe it's just for Apple Pay and it's really trendy, Jake. But well, I mean, you know, these yeah. same technologies are now allowing you to play something like fantasy football, um, where you can essentially satiate your desire to to I don't know what be a general manager. Yeah. Or, but essentially, again, fantasy football, living out your fantasies vicariously through someone else, uh, and. I, I, like Adams and Jefferson, often question whether or not we have a society that's even capable of <laughs> getting back on track at this point. But Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and they were... Sorry they to were, digress. No, it's okay. And they were, they were highly... Um, I mean, it was the intellectual revolution of, of the time. And those people were... I mean, what did they have, like, an over 90% literacy rate? I and mean, we're at, like, 70, I think? I can't even remember where... If that. Yeah, well... Anyway, all right. So, more about the snitch society, Josh. Let's talk about um, let's talk about your people over at Allstate, and then we'll bounce over into the Middle East real quick, and then we'll uh, finish up with the um, the Mandela effect stuff, which is basically taking my mind, put it in a blender, and and uh, curate it, uh, poured it back in, and then uh, solidified it into one giant brick of I have no idea what the hell is going on, but I do have some answers for you on the Fruit Loops and other things. So uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, here is Allstate with their new technology they're trying to patent to um, to monitor you for um, you know for your safety because you guys um, you guys all can't be trusted to drive cars. What would these pat- more on what these patents would allow Allstate to do? Well, what's so interesting about these patents? It's really just a few things. First of all, they got one in June that envisions selling this driving data to other companies like banks marketers, health insurance companies. They think this data could be useful for other companies, so that's one element of it. A second element of it, they're not just interested in how you drive. Now they're talking about how fast you go, how whether, fast, you whether you brake, whether you brake a lot, what time of day you drive, your mileage. That's typically the kinds of things they've been interested in. Now they're also talking about gathering physiological data, like having sensors on steering wheels that could tell tell things about your heart rate. And lastly, the third really interesting part that they just got a patent for, it would be um, watching other drivers as well as stuff not related to driving in the car, like how many passengers are there? Are there kids? Are you eating? Are you talking on the phone? And how are people around you driving? Are there pedestrians? Yeah, there you go. So um, I'm going to play all three of these clips, and then we'll break these guys down. So sorry, I had um, had my my um, sound effect turned up a little bit there. So um, that was clip number one. Uh, moving on to clip numero dos and Allstate and their much love for humanity. As they track and trace you into oblivion and sell your data away, and you know they got to make sure that uh, nobody's horsing around in the car. They might have to mail you a ticket or something, or turn you into the cops so they can mail you a ticket. 
There we Companies go. gather this data. There's a couple of good reasons. They want to be able to offer a competitive product. It's always about competitive product, isn't it, Josh? It's always about, you know, it's just going to make it cheaper for you, right? Like Obamacare. And one of the things they can do is anything they can find out that would help get you the right price, so actuarially base the risk, so that you're not paying for the risk of somebody else and how they drive. Which is actually total nonsense, because I was in three car wrecks in my entire life uh, within about six months, none of which were my fault. I totaled two cars, and I almost couldn't get insurance from anyone, because I was uninsurable because I was a high-risk driver even though I had never gotten a ticket and none of the accidents were my fault. So this is all PR bullshit, everyone. Excuse my language. Is good information. Anything that would improve the safety, because if you've got three or four kids in the car, perhaps they're creating a distraction, and that may be something that takes you, causes you to take your eyes off the focus of the driving process. I'm sure process. that's never happened to a parent. Not, of course <laughs> not. Not any of us. Anyway, so there are reasons to do that, and then you, what you try and do is figure out are there behaviors that you can change by doing collecting some of this data? Uh, what we've learned over the years is some of the data that's been collected from uh, people as they drive and when they drive and how fast they drive. It's actually been used to improve the driver's safety. People have actually changed their driving habits because they get discounts if they actually drive better and safer. And then it's also a thing with the car manufacturers is they try and put more and more of this crash avoidance technology in their vehicles. Oh, a.k.a. meaning that they're going to put what, Josh? What are they going to put on the road instead of human driving cars? Hmm, I don't know. There, there are a few companies that are working on autonomous systems, Jake. I think oh. Google was one of those. Maybe, maybe uh, GM is uh, is working on that with the ENV 2.0 that they're demonstrating all throughout China this year. Uh, I don't know, though. And that sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. It does. I mean, what they're going <laughs> to do with this data, and you can kind of see the setup, everyone. If you can follow the bouncing ball of logic, which we does, I mean, we air it up every once in a while on the show, and we'll bounce it back and forth. But if you do follow the bouncing ball of logic, what's going to happen is that they're going to gather all this data for about five years, uh, somewhere around 2020, maybe 2030. They're going to roll out all these cars and say, you know what? We've determined that humans are uninsurable because they are just too dangerous to be on the road. So... There you go. That's how you're gonna phase. That's how they're gonna phase this out. Um, once again, they, well, Jake, they they've they figured out how to do how to do willful acceptance of invasive technology, and they're just gonna have PR firms tell you how great it is, and never tell you about what it's used for, what the nefarious use is or use could be, and and you're gonna get enslaved, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. Well, go ahead, man. Correct me if I'm wrong on these two points. Uh, one, I think, is it Oregon that's already essentially kind of rolling out a, a tax-by-the-mile system that is using a GPS location and, and sensors that, that, you, that are now are about to be mandatory that you have to plug into your dash? And, they actually, uh, the, black boxes have been, the black boxes have been mandatory through the manufacturers since I believe um, 20... I want to say 2010, but that might be too late. I think it might have been 2008 even. So, um, mm. yeah, so the black tracker boxes have been mandatory from a manufacturer standpoint for, I believe, at, at the least the last five years. 
Well, I, I'm talking about specifically uh, an add-on that goes into your 12-volt um, outlet, very similar to what Progressive offers now. Right. That is, uh, you know, the safe, this safe driving bullshit that is, uh, at, the, at, at least currently, that's uh, a, on a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, but all, it, all the tracker boxes do exactly what what those exactly, appliances yeah. do, but... It gives you once again. It gives you the the option to opt in to the Panopticon, so you don't feel like it's being forced on you. They're very smart in well, how they deploy all this technology. I'll have to give them that. They war game this stuff out very well, and then they get some PR smart guy like me. Like, how can we get people to do it? Like, well, give them discounts on their insurance, and tell them they're going to save money, and tell the parents it's going to save lives, and tell the moms the it's going to tell the moms it's going to save kids' lives, and that's all you got to do. You know. Show a kid well, getting a car wreck, and you 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 got ninety percent of the of the uh, female mothers out there. Well, Jake, uh, doesn't ca- the Cash for Clunkers program kind of uh, uh, go in line with with these steps as, you, as you're talking about the the nature of how a, a transition from a from a human based driving society to to an automated driving society would work? Uh, wasn't it two thousand six? 2005 that the the model years existed uh, where you could essentially turn in these cars and have them scrapped for a discount on a new automobile to, mm-hmm. to kick off the subprime auto lending bubble yep. uh, in in the first Obama administration. That's very uh, very true that, and a very perceptive um, catch there. I mean that was that was well, well that, done. Yeah, I was just gonna say the the that those model years happened to correspond I, I, exactly with. Uh, the years in which uh, it became mandatory for these these black box technologies to include GPS. Uh, I think it was General Motors, all of their cars, whether or not they included OnStar, have included these boxes since 1995. Um, But all other auto manufacturers, at least by U.S. law, were not required to include them until 2005-2006 model year, uh, which, again, corresponds directly with this Cash for Clunkers program. So it wouldn't be too surprising to see, you know... uh, some similar analog, uh, you know, at 10 to 15 years from now when these people just make the decision, well, 70% of the cars on the road are already driving themselves. Uh, let's heavily subsidize people trading in these uh, old steering wheel models because we don't want people doing something so dangerous as driving their car where we don't want them to. Yep. It's amazing. You know, guns kill, you know, less than, what, 10,000 people in America a year and uh, in in Georgia alone, we've already had uh, a thousand fatalities. So, on the roadways, believe me, I get the little flashing telescreen when I'm driving to work on Monday morning. I get that uh, update. Uh, be careful! Uh, over a thousand people have died on Georgia roadways this year. But uh, remember, we got to take away your guns and your ability to protect yourself because they're scary. All right, last clip, and then um, then we're gonna hop over the Middle East, and then. Uh, then we'll get into what's been bogging us down for the last couple of days. So wrapping it up with Allstate, you're in good hands, Josh. Uh, didn't the Allstate CEO say something about or suggest or imply that selling this data might be a possibility? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They said that a few months ago. He was at a conference, and he says it's sort of the same thing that Google does. Um, so he floated the yeah, and for you, those of you playing the home game, Google is not a search engine. That is a uh, advertising company uh, financed by NQTEL, CIA front group. Got to love it. Just a few months ago where he said, you know, we might envision selling this driving data someday. Ooh. And then in June, they had received this patent that sort of lays out the potential 
of selling this driving data to different industries. Such as- I love how they say sort of lays out the potential. What is that? Can you use any more shady terms, lady? Such as health insurance companies, banks, marketing companies. Their reasoning is, well, maybe if somebody's an aggressive driver, they're going to be aggressive about how they handle their money. Or they could just have to take a poop and they're trying to get home. So whatever. You know, all of this data is it's it's all nice pie in the sky crap to think that, um, you know, every situation is the same and everybody's emotions are always the same and nothing ever happens. I mean, good gosh, you could you you could have somebody get in the car that just heard that his her husband had a heart attack and she's racing to the hospital and all of a sudden her insurance premium goes up because she's driving dangerously. I mean, this is just it's setting up for disaster. So um I'm not going to play the um I'm not going to play the Michigan okay uh to say Josh. So, final thoughts on this um on this all-state uh and self-driving cars phenomenon that we're going to experience once again all things cyber uh, in the first segment. Well, just uh this is your future people and it's uh I'm sure that people listening to this show are already cognizant of these facts. Uh but if for for those who aren't, or for those who have family and friends that aren't, uh, please start to inform them because we're increasingly entering a society where not only are these things uh, voluntary or pseudo voluntary, like a Facebook account or or you know your use of a cell phone everywhere you go, uh, it, we're going to enter a society where the the less voluntary aspects start to come into play, uh, and and certainly things like insurance premiums and taxation. Uh, regulation of social management through big data. Uh, these are some of the more integral components. What's coming in Paris uh, with uh, the count, the conference of the parties, uh, the 21st conference of the parties, to uh, you know ratify the the United Nations uh, global climate change uh, emission standards is going to play a big part in this, uh, as a lot of these you know tracking softwares are going to uh, be involved in, in that specific uh, realm, as you're seeing right now with companies like Volkswagen, who, <laughs> you know, are trying to kind of uh, skirt that little, uh, at that aspect of the Panopticon. And when it was found, of course, that uh, these sensors were misreporting some of the emissions data, uh, it's now becoming a big problem for them, solely because they want this technology operating uh, spick and span when uh, they need to jack up your... Uh, either your health insurance premium or, uh, you know, for example, the the amount that you pay for heating or electrical bills because you use too much during peak hours and you need to be monitored or rationed. Uh, and I've been writing about this extensively over statelesshomesteading.com, uh, specifically as it pertains to Agenda 21, but if people want to get a better idea of how these technologies are working on a cohesive basis, I'd recommend uh, one of the more popular articles on that site being China 21, uh, sustain or Anglo-American sustainability in Asia is the title of that one, uh, and I think it, it's a good one to maybe send to friends and family because one, it doesn't deal with America directly, uh, although it does in a tangential sense. It's more about Asia and Asian smart cities and Asian panopticonic technologies, but it's also very well sourced and well documented, so it's not exactly something that's easy to refute. Yeah, and I'll put that link in the show notes for uh, show 116, everybody, and you can go to the website, wearenotcattle.net, and you'll be able to find it there. I'm actually going to do some upgrades to the We Are Not Cattle this weekend. 
So uh, stay on board for that. So let's move, shift our focus to... I don't even think we should cover the migrant crisis at this point because um, the mainstream media is actually doing a, a decent job of covering it, but what they're not covering is the uh, a couple of tidbits that I, I took away. Um, not all of these people are from Syria. Uh, a lot of them are economic refugees. And so... Um, so you know, so people pointing to Europe saying that you need to accept these people and they bring them in. We do need to find some way as free humanity to 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 find ways to assimilate these people into society and get them to a place where you should be sustained, at least have some sort of living standard. But um, but if you really want to get mad at somebody, don't get mad at Syria. Don't get mad at the U.S can point your finger at the IMF and the World Bank and all these economic terrorists that go in there and gut countries, sign them on to bad debt, and then screw them and privatize everything, and then 10 years later go, oh, you know what? You guys didn't pay up and you didn't privatize, so we're going we're gonna to put you in more debt. And so if you really want to point some fingers, guys, um, that's where I would point it because if it wasn't for the the banking cartel, we wouldn't have uh, the migrant situation that we have now. If it wasn't for um, Western greed and the euro wanting to have those gas pipelines uh, from Syria, uh, then none of this would be going on. So it's all kind of well, it's Jake, it's I, all I, of it. It's, it's I, yeah. Go ahead, man. Sorry, I got to jump in on that point because there are uh, at least competing pipeline models in that area. Sure, uh, and it's interesting sure. that the Russians have now have now showed up in Syria. Certainly, the the you know the Anglo the Anglophilic banking cartel uh, and this pipeline war is, is a huge part of this. Um, but I just don't want our viewers to come away with a black and white sense of oh well, America created this this group of boogeymen called ISIS, and now these people are running, or or even that you know oh well you know some of these Middle Eastern countries have gotten themselves in a in a bad debt situation mm-hmm. with the IMF, uh, quite deliberately so engineered by Western banking institutions, and right. now there's horrible strife and suffering because you know there are, I guess a few actors on this world stage as we see it right now, and it's a uh, it's a complicated and nuanced situation that almost deserves a show in and of it, it, itself. Right, and and to and, and 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 to just put it passively like that, I I, I would be uh, I would be remiss to not mention some of the larger geopolitical ramifications of what what is going on over there. But it is not as cut and dry as the mainstream media will let it seem. It is definitely. Uh, they are definitely not talking about the the financial angles um, that we'll talk about here and that we'll discuss here, and maybe we should do a show on that, Josh, to kind of give everybody um, some boiling up points. Um, you know, boiling up to this um, to this uh, this uh, this challenge that we have, this humanitarian crisis, because it is a humanitarian crisis. You have you have people displaced because um, because they basically just got hosed. They got hosed by their leadership. They got hosed by rich and greedy people coming in and trying to want to do business deals. And then you've got um, power politics uh, as a a big giant overlay. Um, And at the end of the day, those people don't really give a a crap about the – what did they call them in that EU document that we we discussed on air? Um, Oh, gosh. The – what were they called? The the lemmings? What were they they call them? The – Oh, 
I, I don't recall, actually. Oh, man. But... I'll have to. Now it's going to bother me. All right. So, um, anyway, I do oh, want to. Uh, oh, in the, in the Morris Strong. Yes, yes. Or not Morris Strong. Yeah, Lilliputians. Lilliputians. From Gulliver's Travels, the little people. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, yeah, as Josh was saying, it's not nearly as cut and dry, but uh, I just wanted to point out some of the, the larger angles that, that we can explore and that need to be brought up if you talk to people about. Uh, the migrant situation, it, it's horrible, it's terrible. The concentration camps all over uh, Europe are terrible um, and, and not reported on, widely not reported on. So those are other areas and talking points that you can research for yourself and bring up in conversations when people bring up uh, mainstream media talking points. So anyway, last uh, little transition here. Uh, I thought that this was um, a fabulous question by a Russian reporter to Admiral Kirby, and um, this is local here in the United States, and then I want to go to an Al-Qaeda clip, and then it looks like we're going to do some overtime, so I kind of figured that was coming, but anyway, if you guys want to uh, check out the show live, you can uh, you can call us here, 602-753-1916, and we'll put you on hold, or you can uh, listen to the downloaded version once we go off air and here in about, uh, I think in about 14 minutes, but Here's Admiral Kirby with the best um, the best question I've heard a reporter ask in quite some time, and wow, what a response. He is the reason that ISIL has been allowed, and not just ISIL, but other extremist groups have been allowed uh, to fester and grow and sustain themselves inside Syria. The assertion uh, that you are making uh, that... Uh... Uh, he, he's talking about Assad, by the way. So, sorry, I should have set that up. Uh, this is all talking about how Assad is uh, the big boogeyman. Remember, we talked about this three years ago. The U.S. wanted Assad out. That's why they faked the chemical weapons attack. That's why there's been all this negative publicity on Russia, because Russia is backing Assad. They're longtime allies. So here we go. Um, and here's the, uh, here's the beautiful, beautiful question by the Russian. He's the reason for uh, ISIL uh, is also disputed. Many people in my part of the world be- believe that the reason for uh, the ISIL existence is the policy of regime change uh, that is pursued by uh, the U.S. and uh, the American allies. Uh, what is your response to that? I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Oh, yeah, man. So, uh... Hey, what you reading for? <laughs> Oh God, that's that was that was beautiful. I love that, Josh. Uh, your takeaway: the the Russian reporter asking him, um, "Hey, isn't this? Uh, we believe that this is um, through a failed American policy of regime change. What do you have to say to that?" Um, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Next question, Josh. Your thoughts? Well, it's. Certainly uh, interesting that the guy ever got in there into the press corps to ask this question of this general at all in the first place. <laughs> Definitely uh, accurate in terms of what we talk about on this show all the time, Jake. Uh, the the fact that there is really no fundamental difference between Syrian moderate rebels and w- the group calling themselves uh, still the Mujahideen, but for some reason in the West is ISIS or IS or ISIL or whatever the hell they want to call it next week. Um, also interesting in the more grand scheme of things, uh, in that, you know, this, uh, is it the Turkstream pipeline or is that the Western version? Um, 
Uh, I know there are competing pipelines right now, one that's supposed to be running from Israel uh, and another from, um, oh, now I'm forgetting. But one is a ref- one is a Russian project and the mm-hmm. other is more of a Western project. So it is interesting that the gremlins known as ISIS uh, <laughs> have also uh, kind of opened an opportunity for Russia to uh, to be drawn into into this uh, into this conflict, either to uh, secure some of those pipeline uh, deals, or perhaps uh, maybe to to get a foot back into the international drug trade, which they lost in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, all very interesting stuff. Very very interesting. The Russians are incredibly good at, at counter propaganda in these terms. Uh, it's one. Uh, I'm I'm sorry that you're. This is being laid on me right now because my my perception of these things really is starting to to change now that I've gotten into Sibel Edmonds' work on Gladio B mm. in a more substantive light. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and that'll that'll be part of our that seems to be the case though. Well, maybe we should do a a special like thirty minute uh, podcast segment on that. Um, you know, maybe next show or the show after we'll get our notes together. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's almost impossible to talk about the Middle East, especially as it pertains to Russia, or at least radical yeah. Islam, right. supposedly, quote-unquote, radical Islam yeah. as it pertains to Russia, yeah. without talking about Gladio B first. Right. I mean, because I, I think, Jake, we even in the alternative media, both you and I, have, have also fallen prey you know, to, to viewing the world in a unipolar sense. And one, one of the things that we notice, or I notice at least in, in documenting Agenda 21, is this shift towards a multipolar world order. Um, so even though they're, you know, these actors are all kind of playing for the same team, they do have, to a certain extent, different interests. Mm. And Gladio B is one of those shadow uh, operations of the shadow government that really make you scratch your head in a big way, uh, especially as it pertains to Russia. So I don't know. Well, again, yeah, we'll have to talk about it some other time. Sorry. All right. No, that's fine. I mean, I, I think the um, I think the audience would appreciate us putting a a very succinct podcast together as far as, um, you know, we can even start from the, the creation of the Mujahideen under Brzezinski and Jimmy Carter and, and then show the, show the progression of that group, show the progression of, uh, Afghanistan and that region. And, and then how the idea of regime change, um, was, was pushed by the neocons and then, you know, turn and in, turn into, um, turned into policy and uh, which has been an ongoing foreign policy for, for the better part of the last uh, four presidents. So once again, that's why we say that it doesn't really matter who gets in there. Uh, the policies don't change. So it doesn't matter who the figurehead is. The policies will not change. So here is the, um, uh, I, I got one more clip, man. And I just, I think we're running out of time here. What do we got? We got five minutes. I can get this one clip in before we, before we get out of here, this is a this is a two minute clip, so it's a little bit long, but it's um it's talking about the history of Al Qaeda, and if anybody wants any, um, I guess um what would be some some backfill for for what this gentleman is saying, uh, you need to check out the Adam Curtis documentary on uh, on Al Qaeda, and um and it's very fascinating. Uh, Adam Curtis, BBC documentary filmmaker, does a a lot of great documentaries. Did one. That was uh, fantastic on the um, on the Bolsheviks and the um, and the Soviet Union. Uh, very fascinating stuff there. So I'll put the links to all those yeah. documentaries in the show notes. Josh, you got one other yeah. thing to say? I just wanted to say that that's a three parter called "The Power of Nightmares." Very interesting. But 
I just wanted to warn listeners, again, you have a very smart listening audience, Jake, so I'm sure it goes without saying, Mm -hmm. but Curtis is one of these uh, kind of very, he makes fascinating documentaries. He's he's a very talented filmmaker, Uh, but in the same documentary, for example, The Power of Nightmares that we're talking about, where Curtis will... uh, uh, you know, demonstrates the evolution of uh, of radical Islam uh, uh, throughout Egypt and the school of Said Qutb, and parallel, parallels that with uh, the the rise of prominence of Leo Strauss at the University of Chicago and this neocon ideology, um, and how one kind of fed off the other. In this documentary, he essentially presents a very sound thesis that Al Qaeda, as a as an organization, does never has actually existed. But at the same time, goes on in the second part to uh, conclude that this group that in the first part he says never existed did indeed pull off September the 11th uh, as it went down uh, in lockstep with the official story. So just be careful when you watch Adam Curtis's stuff because he throws in quite a few mind viruses, and I think that might be his purpose as a filmmaker. Well, you know, you and I have talked about this before. What makes a great disinformation agent is that you give you know 80% truth and then you have and then you have a bunch of bs on top of that like uh veterans today the um the senior editor i can't remember the dude's name at the time oh but, G- gordon duff yeah gordon gordy muff um yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly so um yeah so he even admitted that that in order for them to stay alive that they have to write propaganda so keep that in mind when you listen to any alternative media um that um, that they could be putting in a little bit of propaganda, so it's always good to do uh, do your due diligence, double check, and then once again gather all the facts for yourself, and then formulate your own opinion. Because uh, that's in, in essence what it's all about. And as long as we can keep sharing ideas, we might uh, we might be able to really figure out what's going on here. Go ahead, man. Exactly. I was just going to say, and including us, yeah. because not that either Jake or myself would ever. Never would we try to overly propagandize our listeners or feed them false information, but we do exist in this mainstream and alternative nexus uh, in which, you know, false information and propaganda comes out all the time. And, you know, while we do our best to cross-reference this stuff and get to the bottom of it based on, you know, primary sources, documentation, forensic history, uh, we screw up sometimes. Yep. So, you know, it, it, it's good that we have a, a network 90 to seconds. be cross-checking. And we also have to just, just be careful not to fall into that groupthink because it's in that stew where these mind virus memes, the 20% of that disinformation really can get uh, get a foothold even in a in a field like ours. No, I would, I would 100% agree. So um, for those of you listening live, you're not going to be able to catch the end of this clip. Remember, uh, check out the website, We Are Not Cattle. Uh, dot net you can find it there or you can find it through blog talk um i should have it uh, i should have it streamed uh, this show streamed again on um on jrevradio.com on thursday night at 9 30 um so stay tuned for that i'll tweet out when it's going to go live so you guys can listen to the digitally remastered version on uh, jrev radio and here we go with the last little little clip and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Mandela effect. Man, that has blown my mind. Sorry. With CERN coming up, it was just a a cosmic collision of information in my brain that I was just not ready for. So um, here we go. Former uh, Afghani, let's see, prime minister um, talks about his, uh, his understanding of al-Qaeda. So here we go. Obviously, Al-Qaeda was the main reason that the Americans said they were going into Afghanistan. Ten with the Taliban. Seconds. Are you still of the view that Al-Qaeda is more of a myth 
than a reality, is what you said last year. You also said you weren't even sure that they existed. Really? Exactly. That's my view today as well. That Al-Qaeda is a myth? It is for me a myth. I have never had a... Josh, I'd never really paid attention to who this was. This is Hamad Karzai, who's been on Alex Jones' show since, like, um, since uh, 2000 and 2008. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that the BBC uh, decides to drum him up uh, during their discussion of, uh, is it the nonviolent extremist bill that's being passed? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the one that's basically going to curtail free speech. So anything that's so I, anything I that's if, against uh, Mr. anything that words would, could be viewed in that light. Oh, sure. <laughs> in, Any, in the next few months. Well, because it says anything that is uh, against British not tradition. That's not the word. What is it? Um, fundamental British values. Fundamental British values. We're in a lot of trouble, people. We've got some really nasty authoritarian douchebags running the place, and if we don't get our well, heads if you're in on Europe, straight, if you're in Europe, you're already fucked, and you love it. So, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, free college for everybody. Report from any Afghan source on the Al Qaeda or what they were doing. We don't see them. We cannot visualize them. For us, they don't exist. I've never had a report from our intelligence. I've never had a report from our. Uh, people, um, uh, I've never come across them. Did so, they exist in September uh, me, the 11th? Uh, on September the 11th, 2001, was Al-Qaeda operating in Afghanistan? I have come across the Taliban. I've come across uh, uh, other groups. I've come across uh, the people called, uh, you know, uh, uh, calling themselves different names. Who he almost said the Mujahideen, but he caught himself. Uh, uh, different outfits uh, of extremists and terrorists. We, we have reports about them. Uh, I don't know if, if, if Al-Qaeda existed, or, and, and I don't know if they exist. Uh, for me, it's a myth. I have, to, I, have to be, I have to feel tangible about it before I can say they are there. Well, reports say they are there, well, the, but I have well, no your, information. Your allies in the U.S. government, se. your allies in the U.S. government, NATO forces on the ground in Afghanistan, all said that they were there fighting Al Qaeda fighters. When you say it's a myth, you've not seen any evidence. Did they call you a conspiracy theorist? Some- hey, Josh, didn't um, NATO forces and American forces say that uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, and it was confirmed? I believe that they did, Jake. I think that Colin Powell got up and, uh, you know, flashed, waved that yellow cake uranium around for a couple hours in front of the U.N. and lied through his fucking teeth. But maybe I just uh, misremembering that one, too, Jake. Yeah, maybe that's a Mandela effect. I might say you sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> well, if... Uh, oh, good CIA term there. Beautiful. Uh, uh, saying that something does not exist does not mean uh, a conspiracy. Um <laughs> It's he, my- he actually corrects him on the grammar. That's awesome. He goes, because uh, if it was a conspiracy, then it would actually have to exist. But saying that it doesn't exist is not a conspiracy because the grammar of conspiracy, meaning a secret group uh, conspiring against um, or doing things in the shadows. So, oh, man, that was beautiful. I didn't even catch that before. In judgment, it's my feeling. Maybe they are there, but I have not seen them and I have not had a report about them any report uh, that would indicate that Al-Qaeda is operating in Afghanistan. And I've also um, uh, uh, been in conversation with various American officials. The last one that I had was last year, in which they told me that they're they perhaps not even more than 30 to 35 individuals 
So uh, if, if that's the entire strength of an organization, for me, that's a myth. 35 people, Josh, in Al-Qaeda. Yep. Well, I hate to bring up Adam Curtis twice in one conversation, but his latest documentary, Bitter Lake, uh, which is, Ooh. again, a documentary that you have to watch out for because he also claims that the, the spike in opium uh, production that took place in northern Afghanistan in the 60s was just a happy accident um, as a result of the IMF loans that went in there, um, which is patently absurd. Uh, but it does an excellent job of documenting what American and SAS forces experienced going into Afghanistan into a very nuanced and complex tribal political situation in which there are multiple regional powers, multiple uh, even subtle religious affiliations or even dialects of language that are all competing for one another. It's this, you know, it, it was already uh, a, a struggle uh, for power before America got there and the West got there. Uh, so what essentially ended up happening is, you know, some of these groups would, would use uh, American and British forces by essentially just saying that Oh well, yeah, that guy over there who I've had a long-running land dispute with, uh, yeah, he's he's Al Qaeda. Go shoot up his group, and then of course these people naturally shoot back, and their allies shoot back, and well, if they're shooting back, then they must be Al Qaeda or they must be Taliban, right, Jake? Yeah. Uh, and it, of, of course, it turns out that by the time they're you know these troops are now starting to pull out, they are realizing that well. We don't really know who we were fighting over there, and it was all these disparate kind of tribal affiliated groups. Um, and really, we just kind of made a bad situation much worse. Um, but again, Bitter Lake is the name of that documentary. Very interesting watch. Once again, I'll link that in the show notes too. Do you want to um, you want to cover the Mandela effect on this show, or do you want to wait until next show and do a whole show on it? Because we've we've kind of well, recently stumbled across this. Or do you let's do it? <laughs> let's do a teaser for everybody. Let's uh, do a yeah, tease. Uh, okay. Honestly, I'd like to at least introduce it, Jake, because if we are planning on potentially doing a, 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 a bigger show with a larger roundtable, maybe even later this week, yeah. uh, in which we will talk about it more, yeah. it would be nice for at least our audience to, to or your audience, excuse me, to, to, to know about it. And I'm also really interested in the feedback you'll get if, you know, whether or not the consensus is, as we have remembered these things, Mm -hmm. Or if some of your listeners remember these new spellings. Okay, so um, I'm going to let you lay the groundwork because you're the one that brought it to my attention. And, um, it, dude, it's the people's show. So it, it's your show. It's everybody's show. It's not my show. So it's everybody's show. It's our show. It's your show. It's the, it's the audience's show. It's everybody's show. So um, Josh approached me, what was it, three days ago, two days ago? Uh, pro pro maybe a little bit longer than that, but I think the first time uh, I called you, uh, it, it, maybe I either didn't explain this effect very well to you, mm -hmm. or uh, or maybe it just had you hadn't had enough time to stew on it. But really, over the past two days, we've been yeah. really exploring it. So it really kind of it, it it flashed by me briefly, and I didn't really dive into it. And I think that everybody in, in our community, Josh, and in the truth community, has that one go-to friend that you can call up no matter what you stumbled across or what you saw, what you heard, and just say, okay, I know you're not going to think I'm nuts, so here's what I've heard, here's what I've researched, and here's what I've found, and then you can strike up a conversation from there. So 
Luckily, I am that to Josh, and Josh is that for me. So um, he contacted me a couple of days ago, mentioned this thing called the Mandela Effect. I was, I think, cooking dinner at the time, so I was, you know, a little bit preoccupied. And he said, well, do you remember about Nelson Mandela? And do you remember about him getting arrested? Do you remember about him dying in jail? And I said, you know, I do remember something about that when I was in, you know, when I was in uh, middle school or elementary school or something. Well, it was part of my childhood. So it it went from that, you know, kind of very passive to I've been looking at some things and um and I found out some interesting information. So why don't you uh, why don't you take it from there, Josh, and explain to the folks what you uh what you uncovered, um uh, what happened when you started exploring um the information that you saw. And then the subsequent uh, conversations you and I had, we'll save for the next show. Hmm. Well, the the Mandela effect is in reference to what you just described. Uh, it's a group of people, you know, in the hundreds of thousands that for some reason have vivid memories of Nelson Mandela dying in prison uh, right before he was released. And of course, Nelson Mandela actually died earlier. Was it this year or last year? I think it was Very last recently. year. Last year. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he he passed very recently, uh, at least as it stands now. But these these this group of people uh, still have this, these very vivid memories, and they're almost all identical in their description of the news coverage that they remember. Um, and you know, as I was not alive in in the late '80s, you know, my birth came very shortly after. Um, I wasn't around to experience that that time period, but I do remember uh, hearing in elementary school about Nelson Mandela being dead. Uh, as well as a number of other historical discrepancies that we're kind of now discovering. But I think the best way to, to you know, describe the Mandela effect to someone is to demonstrate it, Jake. And I don't know if you've got those clips that I sent you queued up, but I think yep. that they're really good ones in that they're, they both reference pop culture memes that uh, hopefully people remember the way that we do or else maybe we really are insane. Um, that's still a possibility. Um, according to the central government, I'm sure that we are. Um, which one do you want to go with first? Um, let, let's start with, uh, the bears. Okay. Jake. Okay. So what we're talking about here, guys, is the, the, from what I remember, and this is me as a little kid, um, there was this group of bears called the Berenstein Bears, that uh, had a cartoon show. They had a bunch of books. Uh, and True Stream Media, which I'll link to in the show notes, did a fabulous job of documenting a lot of these things. Um, and what we found is that now, everywhere, it's Baron Stain. So instead of it being B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, like Steen or Stein, which is what I always used to question. I was like, "Is it? Do you pronounce it Steen or is it Stein?" And and then um, and now it's Stain everywhere you go. So it, either this is um, all of us misremembering things from our childhood, but there's a lot of a lot of different things that happen uh, after Josh and I had this conversation regarding the bears uh, that did uh, push us down another road. So I'm going to play a clip from the Berenstain Bears, and this still just doesn't seem right to me. But anyway, here we go. 
This way to bear country. You'll know when you're there. As soon as you enter, you'll feel like a bear. A great grizzly bear. A Berenstain bear. We are the Berenstain Bears. Okay, so Josh, what do you remember that cartoon show being? Well, there there were two of those cartoon shows. There, that one's from the eighties, um, and then there was another one in the nineties. Both were on PBS, uh, and of course, the Berenstein Bears, at least as I remember them, uh, <laughs> were some of the books that I learned to read on, as did a lot of kids in, coming up in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I, I also remember watching that cartoon show. It was on right after Arthur the Yardvark, right before I went to school every morning. Uh, and it would be one thing if I were to misremember or accept a common mispronunciation of that term, uh, if I were only having it read to me. Uh, but I think I would have noticed uh, it being pronounced differently uh, every time that I watched those episodes, and I would have corrected myself. Um but it would seem that the spelling of Steen versus Stain, originally there was a little bit of a discrepancy because some people insisted that the spelling had, had changed because the authors wanted to obfuscate the Jewish uh, nature of their name for some reason. Um, but you start to look at the artifacts, uh, you know, old vintage, uh, you know, Berenstein, Stain, Bears, uh, you know, memorabilia from the 60s and 70s, including the books. Uh, it seems that it's always been stain. At least where we are now, it has always been stain. And if readers remember the Berenstein Bears and still have a, an old copy of any of their books, uh, go up into your, your attic or your, your, your mom's basement, wherever those things are stored, pull one out, and I can all but guarantee you it will say Baron Stain. Um, and, you know, if, in case people didn't hear that one, I've got a clip of ver- a version of that where it's slowed down. Um, but that one's that one's pretty clear, uh, and this is an example of what's called the Mandela effect. Someone having vivid memories of something, a small thing, being different than as it has a sub- seemingly actually happened. I think another one of those, a more jarring example of this, Jake, is that Mister Rogers. Oh, this is where you got me. This is this is where I was um, where I was on board. So, um, for those of you know, or for those of you that grew up watching Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. No, uh, it is actually not a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, which I never remember that. Now, once again, this could be misremembering from 20 years ago, but I talked to... One, two, three, four, five, six people, all in my age bracket, and everybody was certain it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood was the way that the theme song went. So these clips, where did you pull these clips from, Josh? Uh, the, these two I pulled directly from YouTube, uh, but I know that your neighbor actually went directly to Netflix yep. and and experienced the same thing that this clip demonstrates. So here we go, everybody. And if you think that it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, um, we're all wrong, evidently, or we're from a different multiverse. And that is a whole different ball of wax. Here we go, everyone. Enjoy. Buckle your britches. And... 
for those of you who grew up in the 80s, it doesn't even sound right. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Yeah, we're going to play the slower version because I like that one better. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. Yeah. I'd never remember that. I do not remember that. It just sounds completely and utterly foreign, doesn't it? It does. It, it It's like the staccato on the... And sorry to get like, choir technical on everybody. But the staccato on the this seems like it's inserted. Yeah. Does that yeah, make it, sense? Yeah, it really does. Here, there, there's here almost, I'm going to play it know. back. I'm going to play it back. It, it seems like... Where he says it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, it sounds like it's inserted, but who knows? It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. Sorry. Yeah. It just sounds really weird to me. So so that's well, where Josh it, got it, my attention, and go ahead, man. I was just going to say, this is just another one of those visceral childhood memories that, you know, if you were a kid... You know, anywhere, if you're, you know, anywhere between your mid-20s and your, you know, mid-40s today, you grew up watching Mr. Rogers. Uh, And, you know, I listened to that song every Saturday morning. My mom used to sing it to me in bed. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, as I remember it, at least. Um, But there is is no evidence of that ever being the lyric, Jake, uh, in any of his episodes on the official Mr. Rogers website in which these lyrics are posted. Evidently, it's always been this neighborhood, and as you note, it's it's enunciated very clearly to the point where it would be hard to misinterpret it as the neighborhood. Right. Um, now, this is uh, it, we it's not to delve into the weird too much on this uh, broadcast because I know you wanted to hold some of that for later, um, but it seems that some just some of these small details uh, about our history or recent history uh, are are now altered. Uh, And I'm saying this definitively because I truly don't believe that I've misremembered these things. Uh, How about, have you seen the Cinderella one yet? I have. Okay. Uh, Okay. So yeah, yes, 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 yes. So anybody, this is, this is what we're going to leave you with Uh, a little bit of homework from the, we are not cattle crew. Go to YouTube Look up a video of uh, Cinderella with the um, with the evil witch. Snow White. Snow White. Excuse me. Oh my God! Why did I say Cinderella? Anyway, I got my um, I got my Nazi propaganda mixed up. Um, the um, when you see the um, Snow White and the evil witch, I always remember her saying, "Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all." Even in the play, even in the play that I was in, that's what she said. Because I was in Snow White growing up. And if you go watch the Disney movies now, she says, Magic Mirror on the Wall, who's the fairest of them all? And that really screwed me up today. But And just to make it clear for people, Jake... These aren't things, it's not as if Disney has taken Snow White out of the vault and changed that line. No, because it's if you go th- watch your, your VHS, it'll be the exact same thing. Exactly. It's, it's as if these memories that we all have of these artifacts have, have changed without our knowledge. 
Uh, and, of course, this opens a whole other can of worms as to what that really and truly means. I got um, it, Josh. I got it. I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about. There we go. I think I've got it. Seems, seems to be the case. Yeah, it does uh, seem to be the case. I mean, another one that I want to leave listeners with, because it's another one that we both have in common, and everyone we've asked has in common, um, the color chartreuse. I vividly remember in elementary school art class having on the wall a color wheel in which chartreuse was a purplish magenta almost color. Yep. A pink. Yep. Um, n- now, you know, if anyone's listening uh, and you either have not heard of chartreuse or, you, or your memories match ours, uh, just go ahead and, and, and do, a, do a search for chartreuse the color and see what that color really is. Um, because it's not pink, uh, as I as I had assumed. Uh, now I don't know if that is necessarily a case of misremembering or this Mandela effect, um, but it seems to be more the latter than the former. And there are all these small archetypes, or, or excuse me, small artifacts uh, in my mind as well as yours, Jake, that are not consistent with the reality that we currently exist in. It it would seem to me, at least. Uh. And so with that, everyone, we will leave you in this reality frame, whichever one it is, it is in. So, uh, Josh, final comments for the show, and then, um, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap. And hopefully we'll be back this Saturday for a special live broadcast, uh, roundtable-style, old school, where it'll be myself, Josh Wiley, um, Matthew Dalton of the Journalistic Revolution, and Robert Wasman of the Journalistic Revolution, in a late night, um, late night special, uh, I believe we're going to do it. Uh, I haven't got a time nailed down yet, but I think it's going to be. It might even be around midnight. So that'll be interesting because I will be solo mission. So you might hear a different style of delivery that evening. So stay tuned for the details. Uh, check my Twitter. We are not cattle. The number one for the details. Also check the website. We are not cattle. dot net. I will post. The, uh, the link for the live uh, roundtable show uh, in there so you guys can follow us via jrevradio.com or you can check us out here on blogtalkradio.com. So, Josh, uh, final comments, man. Uh, just again, thanks uh, as always, Jake, for having me on. I hope we didn't lose uh, viewers there at the end uh, with nah. this whole Mandela Effect concept. It's just got uh, Jake and myself really uh, kind of on edge over the past couple of days. Uh, if you want to uh, follow my work, where I don't <laughs> write about the Mandela effect, uh, more so about you know getting off the grid and combating Agenda 21, uh, the general machinations of the Anglo-American establishment. Uh, if you're interested in any of those topics, you can check my work out at statelesshomesteading.com. Um, my articles frequently get syndicated on, uh, on some other alt-media aggregator sites that are far more popular than my own, uh, places like Activist Post, where I'm now a contributing writer, no longer a guest author, so that's kind of cool. Uh, the Sleuth Journal is another one. Uh, Zen Gardner, uh, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, for those of you who are interested more in explore, exploring the spiritual aspect of conspiratology, uh, my work is picked up there, as well as a number of other blogs uh, that I just simply don't have the time to list here. Um, but again, statelesshomesteading.com for all of my work. And Jake, it's always a pleasure. No, oh, thanks, man. Well, um, always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh that's it for the show, everybody. Uh, remember to follow us at uh, or follow the show at wearenotcattle.net. 
Uh, follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle. The number one. Um, check out um, check out No Agenda Show dot com if you've never listened to it. Highly recommend it. It's where Josh and I uh, get uh, some of our material. Uh, they do a great job of um, doing the painstaking work of listening to the nonsense of the mainstream media, and do a great job of deconstructing the media as well. Um, not so much of the geopolitical side like we do here uh, from analysis perspective. They do get into a little bit of it, but it's more of uh, how you're being duped and whether it's all a bunch of BS, which nine times out of ten it is, especially for the for the clock kid. And by the way, I just want to let everybody know, uh, for the record, you can ask anybody I work with. I called that. I'm like, this is a big PR stunt. They arrested the guy, and he's wearing a damn NASA shirt. Give me a break. So anyway, that's it for the show, everyone. Get a friend. Get informed. Get involved. Remember, gather all the information for yourself cogitate on it think about it discern it for yourself um formulate your own opinion and who knows one day you may be right as well so uh, thanks again to josh wiley of the Jer- of um excuse me i almost said it uh of statelesshomesteading.com uh tune in this weekend for myself matthew dalton robert wasman and josh wiley uh the reuniting of the journalistic revolution will commence saturday so take care everybody peace love and liberty Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.